Welcome to the intro of the Super Divorce Supercast. Uh, today, we talk about a lot of shit. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Um, I can't quite remember what we started. Well, we started with Beer Me, as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then throughout our discussion, we eventually got on to Comicsgate and diversity and things with comics and... Some bright stuff, though. Some bright stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not, like, it's not negative. It's just, like, this is what's happening in the state of, in the, in the state of comics currently. How one comic company is trying to just, just elicit goodwill out into the world and bring people back to comics, you know? And essentially being condemned for it. Yeah. Like, who condemns, you know, good intentions? But, so that's what we talk about. We talked a lot about comics this episode. Oh, we got on some action figures too. We did. Not our album. Is this this isn't the hundredth episode, this is it? It's ninety nine. Oh, for God's sake. Alright, we need to plan some shit though. Yeah, we do. We need to plan some shit. I was thinking about that earlier today and I was like, oh fuck. Yeah. We're gonna do a hundredth episode and it's gonna be a blah 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 nothing no, episode. We'll, Alright. We'll we'll be back with one hundred and it'll be spectacular. Somehow. We'll figure it out. Yeah. My mom will be here. I that's I can promise you that. I'm sure she'll be here. We'll do it up live. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, quite a diverse episode. <laughs> it uh, is. So, it really is. So please look forward to this episode of the Super Divorce Supercast. Enjoy, chefs. Okay. Chip 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 chip. Okay, we're good. All right, cool. All right. Hey, man, welcome to the Super Divorce Supercast. This is Nicholas Villars, one half of the synth pop duo known as Super Divorce, and I'm Bender, the other half of the synth pop duo known as Super Divorce, or the synth pop, or the synth pop. Which this is this is take two of the podcast. Luckily, we noticed my microphone wasn't on before we got really far into it. I saw the little levels going up and down. And I was like, hey, it looks like mine's going up and down, but and mine wasn't. yours wasn't. So so the first time we did this, I fell over myself and said synth pop. Synth pop. Yeah. And which is a which is a new genre that we are exclusive to and we're pioneering it right here on the supercast. It could be like the symphonic version yeah. of synth. Oh my god. When whenever we get big enough to do our own S and M. Yes. It'll be synth pop. Uh-huh. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. One night only. S&M is a Metallica album, by the way. I wasn't, so I wasn't referring to sadomasochism. <laughs> we're, we're big enough. When we're big enough to engage in sadomasochism. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll, eventually, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. <clears throat> okay. So, um, welcome to Beer Me. This week, we're going to be talking about Ballast Point Brewing Company's Dead Ringer Oktoberfest. Yeah. A beer that we picked out very quickly today. Yeah, I was saying uh, we we normally you've probably seen on YouTube we we film our excursions down to the Quick Stop uh, with Super Divorce gets beer. It's a good show on our channel. And uh, today Nick's phone was about to die, so we were like, well, we filmed a little intro and we we're like, we'll just film again when we get to the Quick Stop about what we're picking out. And we walked in, and we were kind of standing in front of the uh, beers there the coolers there for a second and we we're there for about a minute or less and i would I'll, say less than a minute less than a minute and i was like oh look at that ballast point oh it's an oktoberfest and we were just like oh that's it right yep. there 
because it looks cool too. Yeah, I mean that's so. there. There you go. We you know we talked about it recently with uh, whatever beer it was where the labels were kind of askew on all of them. Yeah, you know, uh, this is marketing at its finest right here. Yeah, you got a skeleton on the front. Um, he is uh, he's standing in front of like a nice scenic backdrop with lots of. Uh, now, there's only one thing I am I'm going to nitpick here. Okay. So this skeleton, uh, he's dressed like what is he dressed like? Kind he's, of like a like a Dutchman, a Dutch boy. Yeah, he's wearing lederhosen, and he's holding a pretzel, and he's well, I guess like a traditional kind of German skeleton. Yes. Old fashioned German skeleton, and he's got like the Pinocchio hat. I know what you're going to say. You know, I, let's see if you let's see if you're right. He's holding a pretzel. He's holding a big beer stein. Everything looks fantastic. Great artwork. There's a feather in his hat and everything. But there's one feather that he forgot to put in his cap. And that is that the backdrop, this scenic, this big scenic vista, uh-huh. there's like a river flowing and then a, a wooded area on both sides. And it's all green. Mm-hmm. And this is an Oktoberfest. Oh, uh, yeah. And they had a perfect opportunity to create a... Uh, a sweeping fall autumn autumnal yes. scene here yes with the the reds and the golds and everything you want it's not there it's not there i thought you were going to point out that the skeleton has dreads oh hold on does he hmm i guess he does have dreads <laughs> now that's an interesting that's an interesting thing to throw in I'm not quite sure why he has dreads. Huh. Um uh, Yeah, he's a he's an old-fashioned German skeleton with dreads. Yeah. Yeah. So so perhaps in life he was a Rostaman, yeah, who had journeyed wayward uh into Germany and and then just kind of uh, found himself enmeshed in the culture and and they they accepted him, and he lived out his days as a, a German. It would appear so. It would appear so. However, yeah. despite the flaws, um, this is it's really it's cool art. Yeah, it it's, is. It looks nice. Um, the the label is like a nice paper has a nice paper feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Good stock. I think aside from the the green, I think the colors are nice. They on are. It. They are. They are pretty. Uh, eye-catching yeah it's eye-catching i mean we bought it and uh it's six percent alcohol yeah and uh, i would say this this is uh the kind of artwork that i am always relieved to see on something that's not an ipa agreed because usually you see something like this and you're like it's an ipa if you're drawn to it it's probably an ipa yep you know why that is it's because they have to put a lot of effort into the artwork making it look cool so that people will actually fucking buy it because it's so goddamn disgusting. Yeah. That's Bender's hot take. That's it's not really take. hot in this room. No. That's about as cold as it gets. That's just that's just the way it is. <laughs> that's just the way it is. If you're hanging out with Super Divorce. Uh, no IPAs allowed. None. So you can crush up your pine trees and... Uh, Drink them yourself. Yeah. Don't don't even try sharing them. Don't offer me a drink of your IPA. Uh, I will decline. <laughs> so. We are going to drink our Oktoberfest. Cheers.
Oh, wow. That's real good. That is real good. That's real smooth. Oh, yeah. Mmm. Totally drinkable. Mmm. It's got great flavor. The bite is minimal. Yeah. But you you get it. It's there. Yeah. But it's so minimal, and it wraps in with all the other flavors so well that you don't even mind it. So smooth. That's good. This might this this shot up my list of like favorite Oktoberfests real quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Definitely go out and get Ballast Point Dead Ringer if you can oh, find man. it. The second sip's mm. like even better. It would be easy to blast through like eight of oh, these. Oh yeah, holy crap! Just, it's so good. Yeah, I like this a lot. Yeah, it's a good one. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Bender, I just showed you the video that I'm going to post today on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, oh God, is it funny? Things got viral potential. <laughs> it, if you get it out today, which I know you're planning to do, it's yeah. already uploaded. Yeah. Um, if if we get it out today and I share it, and you share it, and hopefully you know some other people share it, I, it might have viral potential. So the new the new paradigm on the youtube channel if you're not familiar is like uh you know i'm playing shenmue live typically for about an hour every day yeah because it works out really well i didn't plan it this way but <clears throat> the days in the game last about one one hour in real time Oh, really and the lady that you live with ine san uh she's a bit clingy she's your old kind of housemaid she wants you home by 11 o'clock every night. Okay. And if you're not back by like 11.30, your watch beeps, and you're like, oh, I should get home. Ine-san will be worried. And then you just, it just teleport goes. back right. to your bedroom, and okay. you have to go to sleep. You can't do anything else for that day. Okay. So usually if you if you stretch it all the way to that point, it's like about an hour. Huh. So that makes a good play session where it's like, all right, we're going to play through an hour or you know one day, day and of... see what we can do. Right. So that's what I've been doing. So you got that for <clears throat> the live video. And then I've also been posting just uh, something typically having to do with like pop culture of the day. Right. I don't know if you saw the uh, the House of the Dead video. I saw that it was up. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it yet. That one blew up like out of nowhere. Really? It's been up for like five days and it's already got like 1,500 views. Good. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um. And then there's sequential Star Wars that we're doing. Uh, that comes out like every night at midnight. And then we've got this podcast. And uh, Super Divorce Gets Beer. So very active. Very active. We're only 10 away from 200. Nice. So once we reach that number, someone's going to get themselves a nice hardware t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's awesome. Things been picking up. It's good. But... Uh, I was saying all that because I, I should bender the video that I had prepared for today's upload, the non-live one, and uh, I think it's going to be pretty fun. It's it's funny. It's fucking funny. If you've not seen the <clears throat> Captain Marvel trailer, or even if you have, uh, Captain Marvel, if you know comics, you'll understand what's going on using context clues, uh, but there's a scene where an old lady is on a train and she looks up and smiles at, at captain marvel and then the next scene is just a shot of captain marvel just slugging her in the <laughs> face 
like as hard as she can, like yeah. a, like a haymaker. Yeah. Just... <laughs> and and that's what I was telling Bender on when we were walking over to get beer. I was like, if you don't know what a scroll is, which is like a shape shifting alien, who we're assuming, I hope it's a scroll, yeah. and that she's not just uh, getting ready to murder an elderly lady on the train for smiling at her, but. You're assuming that this this old lady is a scroll in disguise, you know, uh, portraying a human, but she sees through it and then punches her. But to the average viewer who just maybe watches Marvel movies, right? They're a fan of the MCU but don't read comic books. Like scrolls have never been introduced into that universe yet, all. so people would probably be really confused. Like, why did she just punch that old woman for smiling at her? Like, it doesn't... And you know what would have been good is they could have thrown people a bone. Like, just when she smiles, have her eyes flash or something. Or have, like, have her face change shape for just a split second. Right. And then, because the way it is now, it literally looks like she just punches an old lady for no reason. And she looks like a psycho. I said that... um... I think when editing the trailer, somebody knew that, that they were going to have fun with that. Like somebody, whoever put the trailer together and edited, edited it together was like, this, this is going to be funny. I'm going to work because right before it, it it's, you know, it goes into like the, the title card portion of the trailer, shall we say? And the word hero like appears and then it cuts to her just socking an old lady. So somebody's having a damn good laugh over at Marvel. I, I appreciate it to be honest. Like it's well, I funny. Mean, I think it's funny, but I, I don't know if it's good marketing because it hasn't, well, people, it hasn't blown up yet. No, but it's, you know, it's only been out for a few days. Right. So like after people have watched it a bunch, maybe we will, bust the lid off of it maybe with so. our video that could be <laughs> just you know I, you I, could just title it something like why is captain marvel so mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah you gotta have a good title yeah i know i'm I, I'm, I I'm thinking about it. i'm working on it yeah captain marvel trailer re-edit <laughs> uh director's cut director's cut <laughs> but it would be like i mean imagine you're an old lady at home watching TV and the, and the Captain Marvel trailer comes on and you, you know, everyone's talking about representation. You see your representation on, on the screen. This old elderly lady just smiles up at the superhero and gets, gets blasted. blasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that can't feel uh, good. Yeah, there's going to be a riot of old ladies on yeah. Marvel headquarters. What are they saying to you at that point? You're not welcome in our in our movie universe. Old lives don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hashtag just die. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mm. Get out of here, old people. We don't want you. Make room for the new blood. <laughs> but she is like being built up as the most powerful superhero in the MCU. Yeah. So. Which is cool and all. I'm also like that, but Thor is a god. Yeah. But like, 
okay. But also at a certain point, it's like the scale to which Marvel heroes are powered is just ridiculous. I mean, who's okay. So, you know, conceivably you've got Thor who couldn't defeat Thanos. Captain Marvel's more powerful than Thor. So maybe she can defeat Thanos. And if she does, well then like what, who's going to pose a threat to Captain Marvel at that point? I'm pretty sure the sentry, the sentry is like, or for a time, anyhow, was the most powerful character in the Marvel universe. Really? It was basically, basically like their Superman. Okay. But I, I don't think he was, uh, he didn't have a weakness to magic or anything. So, of course, that's how you always, that's how you get soups in a checkmate. Magic? Yeah. I thought it was just kryptonite. No, he's uh, he's also weak against magic. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. So, who's the magic villain? Uh, I don't know, because I've never really read much of Superman, but I, there was a... I believe that he might have been weak against, maybe it was against vampires or werewolves, maybe. Okay. Because there was a comic book that was Superman and Batman versus vampires and werewolves. Uh Uh-huh. It was a pretty cool little miniseries they did. It's been probably about like 10 years now. I'll have to dig it out. I kind of want to read it again now. But I, I, I think he might have... Needed some help fighting them. So he calls Batman the guy with no superpowers? Yeah. But <laughs> Perfect. But, but you know, he's a good detective. Yeah, he's Batman. I know. He's... I don't remember exactly how the story went. I, I could be wrong about that, but I I feel like there was some sort of complication, and it might have had something to do with him being weak to magic. But I hmm. do know that that's, that's historically accurate in the DC universe. Interesting. He has a weakness. But the sentry yeah. is just like... Doesn't yeah. even matter. Just even more powerful than Thor and huh. all those guys. And then, yeah. So, but like, let's just, let's hypothesize here. Or let's, let's fan fiction here. Well, not fan fiction, but fan theory here. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the MCU is going to go after Thanos? Um, I mean... They could go to Magneto. Okay. So they're going to have the X-Men now. Mm-hmm. That's possible. Uh, they could introduce all of them. I just don't know if they want to throw away all of the continuity that they've built up. Exactly. Because the X-Men movies do have a lot of fans. They do. There are people who <laughs> love all of the new X-Men movies. Yes. And they And they also tie into the old ones. So that's a lot of continuity that's been built up to just say, eh, Let's Disney restart. owns it now, so right. we're just going to redo everything. I wouldn't put it past Disney. but I wouldn't, but um, with that fan base already built in, I think it would be a bad move because you can, you can probably get a lot of those actors and actresses to come back for future MCU movies. Yeah. And then people are going to go nuts because now all that stuff becomes canon within the MCU. But, uh, hey... You know, you only had, what, about 40 years of Star Wars lore that you threw away when you got rid of the EU? Yeah. So. What's 10 years of X-Men movies? Yeah. It's true. You don't think, 
I mean, Magneto's Magneto's good. I what is there a is there a specific arc where he is sort of the big bad of the arc, like Thanos in Infinity War? Yeah, there was an ultimate uh, story mm-hmm. where, jeez, uh, what was it? I think it was it was called Ultimatum, I believe. Okay, I know of it. You heard of that one? Mm-hmm. And he, oh man, I can't remember what happens. I think someone close to him dies. Okay. Someone gets killed in a battle or something like that, and he gets so pissed off that like he just wants to take revenge on the entire world and he want he's going to kill everyone like he doesn't give a shit anymore and so like everyone has to try and stop magneto and he becomes just a son of a bitch you know and <laughs> uh, that's another one i'd i'd like to to get back to we could do a a super fanatics on that one on ultimatum mhm that'd be cool uh, because the Ultimate Universe was was really kicking for a while. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that that was the story arc. Well, no, I won't spoil it because you haven't read it. I haven't. So, <clears throat> yeah. So maybe we'll get around to that. Yeah. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magneto would be cool. Uh, what And now, but they also could do, you know, who else is pretty formidable from my not limited knowledge of a lot outside of like moon Knight, Um, and even I'm still limited there, but, uh, they also are going to own fantastic four. What if they brought in Dr. Doom as the actual legit, uh, world posing villain? He is, I'd be all for that. I think that'd be really cool. I think Dr. Doom is an interesting character. Um, Dr. Doom, from what I know is kind of like, He's kind of like every mad scientist in like old cartoons. He like lives in a fucking castle. Yeah. You know, he's like the, I don't know, like the, from the DC, you know, universe. He's kind of like the Legion of Doom. He lives in the Legion of Doom headquarters, but it's like just him. I'd like to see Dr. Doom portrayed correctly. That'd be cool. Yeah. I think that would, that would sell too, because a lot of people know Doom. Mm-hmm. He's just got a very recognizable. Yeah, you need to give uh, him that design. look. Yeah, and I think for the most part, the MCU has been pretty solid with like updating but staying true to the character's costume. You know, they maybe make him look a little sleeker, or they maybe do this or that to it. But by and large, everybody's costume design is plenty of fan service like yeah. it's solid enough so i feel like you bring in doom and you give him that green cape and that metal mask you know you're you got you got money right there yeah do you think they would ever do uh do you think galactus is too big of a i'd love to see like actual galactus right not you know? the i didn't see rise of the silver surfer but was galactus kind of just like a cloud in yeah. that or something yeah it's like you've got this iconic looking character again one of those that even if you don't know his story or really know anything about him people have seen galactus before yeah the way that they've seen uh dr doom so i think that would be a really cool one you know you because now at this point with cgi you could you could do it easily capture the scale right you know and that'd be a cool fight so i'd i'd be all for that too um 
I mean, some other, I guess they, they just did uh, Apocalypse in one of the X-Men movies. Yeah. Um, you know what would be cool? I've never read it, but now we could get an Avengers vs. X-Men. Mm-hmm. is also a potential now which would be a super I feel like that would be a dope lead up because you could make individual Avengers movies and individual X-Men movies but cross them over the whole time kind of like Civil War after Civil War after Civil War leading up to an Avengers install, Avengers installment of AVX I hope they don't try to do Avenger well uh Civil War Two. Yeah, no, I didn't. I I hope I hope so. I, I think just, the original Civil War deviated so much. The Civil War movie deviated so much from the Civil War comic. In essence, I mean, in the comic, there was a lot more uh, sort of public face political political movement going on. Yeah you know, versus 12 heroes having to fight each other over winter soldier. I would love to see dark rain as a movie. I don't yeah. think it'll ever happen. No, but that would be fucking dope. And then you could, you could do a, a whole dark X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. That would be badass with like Norman Osborn as the actual, uh, uh, you know, guy in charge of everything. I don't know. Well, there's another one. I don't know if you could bring him in to the the new MCU in the you know capacity that he should be. I can't remember how they dealt with that in um, in Homecoming. Did they talk about Norman Osborn much? I can't remember. I only saw it one time. Yeah, I've only seen it once as well. I think Oscorp is a thing. So I mean that I feel like that's enough of an in, an introduction to where you could bring in Osborne pretty easily into the MCU. Yeah. Yeah, and then actually have Norman Osborne as uh, you know, the Iron Patriot and then Harry was what was his name? Oh god. It was something maybe American Son that might have yeah. been his something like that. But then you had Bullseye as Hawkeye. Yeah. I know that. And Dakin was Wolverine. Wolverine. With the old school brown and black. Yeah. Yeah. Dark Rain would be so cool to see happen. Even if they did one Avengers movie, like Avengers Dark Rain, mm-hmm. and you know, for a portion of the film you had all of these characters taking over other roles, you know, while they were forced into hiding or something. Yeah, part a part one and two would be. I feel like that would be a decent, decent enough. I mean, I haven't read Dark Rain. Yeah, and well, I know it was a long series, and it focuses very heavily on Tony Stark mm-hmm. because the entire time they're trying to chase him down, and he's got like in his brain, he, uh, he's got stored all of the information that could expose Norman Osborn. Okay, and so he's on the run as his brain is basically deleting all of this information and he has to stay away from people long enough to not get captured, not let anything happen to his body where they could take it back and extract this information. So it's really cool. And he's losing his memory as the storyline continues. That's cool. So it's, it gives a really kind of race against the clock type of feel. Uh huh. Really cool 
uh, I mean, it lasted for a while too. So it was, it was a pretty neat run. Um, but I don't know that they'd be able to do that with, I, I'm pretty sure that Robert Downey Jr. is like going to be done fairly soon. Yeah. I don't know how much longer he can keep doing it. I imagine a lot. I imagine. Well, and that's, that's another reason I posed the question is like after Avengers four, I think there's going to be a real shakeup. I do know? too. And it'll be interesting to see where they go from there. Well, we've, we've talked about it briefly. Can I have another, yes, Can I have another beer, please? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So we've talked about this a little bit. The rumors swirling that... I'm going to put on the paper is wet. Oh. Uh, do you need a... No, I'm good. It's oh, fine. Guys, it's okay. good. I just didn't want to mess up oh. your notebook. No, it's fine. Um, so they've talked about... Well, rumors have swirled anyway about yes. the introduction of some of the more uh, diverse replacements, if you will, into the MCU. Right. And uh, uh, I'm like, be careful because... If you don't do that correctly, you will sink the entire thing. Yeah. And it won't be good. It'll be like, it'll it'll fall just the way that, that Star Wars has. Yeah. And you can go into complete free fall mode because now you've got like, you've already got like 10 years of people uh, getting used to particular people on screen as this person. And... I mean, people get mad enough when um, when you try to replace a character with someone who kind of looks like the actor yeah. who played them in the last movie or something <clears throat> like that. Right. And it's happened a few times, you know, with well, it's happened a bunch with Batman over the years. And to uh, it seems like with the original run of movies, it was like you got worse each time you replaced Batman, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like going from uh, Michael Keaton to Val Kilmer, it was like, mm, okay, he's still not, it's like, even that bothered me. I remember being like, I was really young at that point. It was probably maybe like 10 years old, but I remember seeing Val Kilmer as Batman, and I was like, but wait a minute, Bruce Wayne is Michael Keaton, and he's right. got like dark hair, and and he's got like this very distinct look about him, and now I'm just supposed to be like, this is Bruce Wayne, it's like the same dude. Right. And Val Kilmer's like, you know, kind of, he's got more, uh, well, he was much younger. And he's got, at that point, he had like more of a model look, you know, and he had blonde hair and shit. And yeah. it's just like, what? That's not, you're making my brain do flips here because now I have to be like, all right, it's the same guy that I watched in the last two movies, only it's a new actor, but the actor doesn't look anything like the guy that I'm used to seeing play Batman. Right. It's just tough. It, I, I think it. You're asking a lot from people, uh, in that situation, and that wasn't, that wasn't like a woven together universe. No. Now you've got this big thing that's gone on over the course of many years, and we're lucky. I mean, and you got to think we're lucky that we've accepted Don Cheadle as War Machine, and uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo. As Hulk, yeah. Because yeah. that was supposed to be uh, Ed Norton. Yeah, but, you know, I think it kind of worked out in the sense that, like, Incredible Hulk 
I think did all right when it was out, but like a lot of people forget that it's part of the MCU. Yeah. I feel like it is easy to forget. It's easy to forget. And then Terrence Howard, whatever happened, I don't even know dropped out after the first Iron Man and Don Cheadle has been in it ever since playing Rhodey. And I think that is an upgrade. I like I Don do too. Cheadle better. I, do too. I, think I he's a great actor. Nothing like nothing against Terrence Howard. I just don't care for him as an actor. Like I I've not seen anything that he's been in and it's not like I've seen a bajillion Terrence Howard movies, but I've not seen anything that he's been in where I'm just like, "Damn." Well, I, you know, I I'm not like a huge um like diehard fan of War Machine, but I I had read War Machine in the past. So I kind of had going into the MCU, I had some context for what I expected out of the character. And Terrence Howard always struck me as being just like a little bit soft. Yeah. To play Rhodes, you know? And uh and I think Don Cheadle pulled it off. I think so too. He did a good job. And and I think it's been a long time since I've seen Iron Man two, but I wouldn't mind seeing War Machine be given a higher um uh, uh, more of a spotlight in future MCU I'd, movies. I'd love to see a rated R War Machine movie. Yeah, because there is one. Do you remember the Marvel Max line yes. of comics? He uh, War Machine had a, 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 a comic in that line, and you know it's just like super violent, and he's just like got all those fucking guns. Yeah, just blast the shit out of people, you know, and sending him into battles and stuff, and it's like more of a war type book. I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh huh. I don't think it'll ever get done, but it would be neat. Unfortunately, not for the MCU. I'm afraid now that Fox or what, like that Fox is selling off all these licenses to Disney, that were the the rated R superhero movies are going to diminish even further. Like they're just getting started. Deadpool is fucking amazing. Logan was fucking amazing, and now Sony, what are they doing? Venom is PG-13. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? You, look, These movies have been so successful. Like, there's older fans, too. Yeah, exactly. There's older fans, too. And those are the people that they seem to be not uh, paying much attention to as we progress along here. Nick, they don't understand that, like, people in their 20s and 30s are also buying the toys. Right. I would say that the toys are marketed to collectors. Yeah. If you look at them, they're fucking $20 a piece for Mm -hmm. most of them. That's not something that you buy casually. For your child. Or maybe they get one every now and again. Right. But it's not like when I was a kid and you'd go out and action figures like five bucks a piece. You know, you're paying $20 for one action figure. If you want a bad guy and a good guy to fight, you've got to spend $40 and then you give your kids these toys, and it's like if they're not careful with them, uh, you just wasted twenty or forty bucks right. buying two action figures. It's it's a lot of money to spend on uh, little pieces of plastic. And when I go to Walmart or, or Target, it's easier to find the twenty dollar figures than it is to find three inch versions of figures like Star Wars, like Kenner stuff. To, like those back there. Yeah, exactly. Those, they don't have that kind of stuff anymore. I know. For Marvel, where you can just buy it for $7 and play with it. 
they've got some of like the they'll do the movie ones you know like the lower resolution i guess you would call them yeah where they're just kind of stiff and you move the arms and the legs but they don't have any joints that you right. can't articulate them the ones were gesturing back at my wall here where i've got some of the marvel figures that were like gi joe size really yeah they're three three point seven five inch figures yeah it's like that or six inch and for a while they were releasing like i feel like probably (laughs) at least 50 percent of characters within the marvel universe were put out in that form over the course of several years i I haven't seen any in a while i don't know if they still make them at all there's a there's a legends i think it's called legends what's the black it's not black series what's the um, marvel one called elite legends i think it's called legends maybe it is the six inch ones mm-hmm. there's a there's a 3.75 inch legends line okay but that are that are like that they have joints and they have mm-hmm. whatnot but if you're looking for a cheap toy for your kid that's marvel themed they make like ten dollar uh barbie versions basically yeah. you've seen those yeah you're is that what you're talking about the oh stiff well, joints those that those weren't the ones I was talking about. The ones I was talking about will be like the ones that they release, and it's got the branding from the movie. It'll be like if okay. You've seen the, they made them for Black Panther. They did some for uh, Guardians. Okay. They did them for um, Infinity War. But it was like they're just uh, well, they're smaller versions of the Barbie ones that you're talking about. Okay. Where they're just kind of stiff. Right. And they don't look really well done, not very well designed right. uh, or well implemented. And so you see those like sitting there next to the really cool looking ones. And it's like, shit, why well, feel bad buying this for my kid when I know the really awesome ones right there that you could probably have more fun with, you know, because you can do more with it. It's an action figure. Right. You know, you want to be able to pose it and put stuff in its hand and move it around and actually like not just have this kind of wooden pose uh, piece of plastic that you can't really do much with. So, but I know the ones you're talking about, the the big ones. Yeah. They literally come in like single Barbie boxes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I think 12 inch figures. Yeah. I don't know. But with that, you know, stuff like that, uh, having a Thanos that size is kind of cool because then he can tower over all the other ones. Right. But if you if you buy like all of the regular heroes and then you what you can't you you're never going to be able to get like a ship to put those things in and yeah. that's if you watch uh the toys that made us they talk about that on the the Star Wars toys episode. And that's why Kenner was so successful with those things because previously uh the action figure was like GI Joe and with G.I. Joe, they could make, like, different accessory sets and, like, different weapons and shit and release that. But there was never any way to create a, a vehicle or a base or anything like that that you could use with this thing. It would be it would take up an entire room. Right. And so Kenner was like, well, if we shrink the figures down a little bit, we can make so much cool stuff that they can actually fit inside of. And it was, like, revolutionary at the time. Because so G.I. Joe didn't make small figures until Kenner started putting out Star Wars figures with vehicles? Yeah, and then they got the idea to improve on what Kenner had done because then they're like, oh, well, those Kenner toys are really neat, but they're, they're stiff, the same way. They're so let's stiff. give our three-inch figures joints and a rubber band waist. Yeah, 
And so it was cool. It's interesting how they kind of influenced each other, mm-hmm. you know, because the original G.I. Joe toys were like Barbies. Right. And and they didn't start making the smaller ones until after Kenner came along. They were boy bees. Boy bees, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the G.I. Joe episode, they talk about coming up with the name action figure. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because when they released them, people were calling them dolls. And then they're like, boys aren't going to want to play with these. Boys don't want to play with dolls. They're going to be like, no, I'm not playing with a doll. And they're like, well, what if we called it an action figure? And then it totally, like... Flip the now switch. that's what it's called. And, yeah. That's cool. Yep. So, if you haven't watched The Toys That Made Us, it's a really good good documentary series I've on Netflix. I've seen the Star Wars episode, um, but I need to check out the rest of it. The He-Man one is probably my favorite. Really? Mm-hmm. Have yeah. you seen the uh, Funko, uh, what are they called? S- uh, slasher Lands? Slasher something? They're He-Man styled slasher icon toys no yeah it's a whole there's a whole line of them they have like freddie michael jason leatherface really? wow and they're super buff yeah like old school he-man figures but are they out right now i think I'm, so i'm gonna have to look for those that sounds really cool they're I, from funko so okay it's horror Horrorlands slasher world like something like that hmm oh I will check into that. Um, I saw some Mortal Kombat figures that were like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, they looked really neat. I thought about buying them, but I uh, didn't want to spend frivolously, you know. Hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll track them down yet. I don't know. Yeah. Savage World. Savage World. Funko Savage World. Hold on. I'm going to look it up for you real quick. We'll see which fine retailers carry these Savage World action figures. See if we can track them down. I just realized that your shirt is blending into your phone right now. It's like the exact same color. That was intentional. Yeah? There you Uh, go. Let's see here. Let's just, I'll show you some images here. That's that's not it at all. All right, let me see. Who have we got here? Yeah, the, oh man, those are awesome. These are like straight up Masters of the Universe type action figures. You've got Freddy. Is that Pinhead in the middle? Yeah, there's Michael, Jason, Freddy, Pinhead, Leatherface. I will have to track down all of those. I'm well. I, that's a series that I would probably buy. Uh, one whole series to keep up, and then another that another I'd want to take Here out. you go. Here you go. Here's the whole series. Well, that and that's work. a rare thing Son these days. I hate, just, just show me the whatever. Here you go. That's the whole oh, series. Here. Yeah, those look awesome. That Michael Myers is really cool. I of course I I gravitate towards the Leatherface. I love Leatherface. Yeah, they're all really neat. They are neat. Yeah, I do like those. Um, it looks like, uh, as far as the shopping tab on Google goes, um, not too pricey. How much? Nine, nine Oh, not bad. So Let's you could probably which... grab a whole set either online or you could probably search in stores, but you could probably grab a whole set for a reasonable, you know, 50 bucks and they're F- out 50, now? 50, 50, 
six with tax. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay. Huh. Shop Funko Savage World on Amazon. Well then. Yep, twelve dollars. I mean, they're well on Amazon. They're going they're going up a little. Yeah. You got twelve, fourteen, thirteen, thirteen. Still not the worst though. No. Like not not a horrible horrible price. So uh, yeah. Well, I will look forward to picking up all of those. Did you see? Well, you probably didn't. Um, I so I was going to tell you earlier. I started to tell you earlier, and then I was like, wait a minute. Mm. We can do this on the podcast. Um, so I went to the uh, Tri-County Mall today. I left work early because fuck it. <laughs> and uh, I went to the Tri-County Mall to go to FYE because, you know, let's just say I have a little extra money. And I was going to just like, I was like, you know, just once I have stuff to do with this money. But I was like, just, I just want to go to FYE and like indiscriminately buy movies. Just one time, blah, blah, whatever. Fucking closed. Gone. Completely. Disappeared. Disappeared. So I, I go up to Hot Topic uh, because my friend Aria uh, works there. She's a manager. So I go in and she's there and we're hanging out we're talking and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, oh, are you here to get the horror pack? And I was like, I don't know what that is. So Funko put out a... Uh, a horror like mystery box that is a hot topic exclusive. And the only reason I bought it was because it came with this leather face pop with his, uh, pretty woman mask yeah. is what that's called. The pretty woman mask. Now, which leather face movie or which Texas chainsaw? The first is one. That, is that it's the in pretty the first woman? One. Yes. That's what they call it. Yeah. It's called okay. the pretty woman mask. He, you know, he wears the one mask throughout the beginning of the film. And then when they sit down to dinner, he's wearing the pretty woman mask. Okay. Um, so I just thought I was like, she told me it was the lady face and I was like, Oh my God. All right. I need to buy it. It also comes with a small, uh, blind box figure of part two, Jason Voorhees with the bag comes with it even smaller keychain version of ash from army of darkness and it also comes with a beetlejuice plush um so picked that up thought it was cool i ended up using i had like coupons and blah blah blah. so the box itself is 32 dollars. i got the box three enamel pins and this t-shirt that i'm currently wearing and the grand total was like 42 dollars because I know how to fucking shop. I went to literally spend money. I, like I was driving to the mall. I was like, I can, it's okay. I can spend like one to 200. Like that's fine. Yeah. And I'll just, that'll be my spending for like the rest of the month. I'll say, you know, blah, blah, blah. I have this money allocated. And I was like, but I'm just going to go and I'm going to buy like a hundred dollars worth of movies. And then I go to hot topic and I was like, oh, I can use this coupon. And I had two coupons like on my account for like my birthday and like another $5 off that I'd earned and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, <laughs> I came out to like spend a shitload, but I'm just like, nope, give me all the deals you can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, more left over. Yeah. Yeah. It's maybe nice. another trip. Nice. So maybe you can go to the Dayton Mall and actually I will. go I'm to FYE. Because all of their like Halloween stuff is like on sale right now. They have $14 steel books. Ooh. They have a steel book of Christine, 
which I've never seen. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a steelbook of Lords of Salem, steelbook of uh, Texas Chainsaw, which I don't need because I already have like four copies. Oh. oh, speaking of Halloween. Yeah. Have I talked to you about this uh, comic company called Alterna Comics? No. Did I tell you about this at all? No. Okay, so... Um, so this is this will be our uh, uh, as uh, keeping with recent tradition. We'll have to get into a little bit of Comicsgate here. Oh God. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. I tried okay. to explain Comicsgate to my sister and her boyfriend the other day. Yeah. Because the three of us had gotten into a ba- debate about diversity in comics and whatnot, mm-hmm. and I was like, "It's so hard for me." I was like trying to articulate what I wanted to say. Yeah. And I was like, "It's so hard to explain." Like I don't know. Just I was like, "We have Nick put up like an." hour and a half two hour video about comics gate i was just like watch that and like you'll get it like you'll understand why i don't like all of this forced diversity and this gender change and blah 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 blah. yeah and i was like and you'll understand why comics gate is a good thing but anyways well hold on speaking of that i'm gonna have to i'm gonna put this cap on my knee so i don't forget my point uh that's we call it a a jig yeah uh okay so um yeah, I was reading the other day. Okay, there's this... Uh, I can't remember the person's name. They are a... Uh, I believe... Trans comic book writer. Okay. And I can't remember the person's name. But they've been going back and forth with the guy... Richard Meyer, who runs the YouTube site Diversity in Comics. Or like his YouTube channel. And it was the guy that I showed you had donated $10,000 of his crowdfunding to the suicide hotline for gay and trans people. But he had been going back and forth with this trans person who goes by the name Renfamous on, uh, on Twitter. And, um, this, uh, the trans creator had said that it was like a dream to get into like one of the big two and transition a well-known superhero and it was why because i guess the point was they were saying that like oh well it would be interesting to see which villains actually end up treating the character better than some of the heroes do and it's like well what and and kind of say playing with like how people would react to it okay and stuff and it's like yeah I, i i kind of understand what you're saying but uh, that's just not, I, I, I just don't feel like that's, there's a limit almost to what you can do with a fictional character who's well-established in the psyches of people worldwide. Yeah. Where there, there are certain, you can go to a point, but if you pass that point, people are going to be like, no, no, we're getting off the train here. Just like what they did with Captain America. Yeah. Where it's like, we're going to say that he was a Hydra agent the whole time. And people are like, what the fuck? Right. No. No, exactly. we're just not going to accept that. That's not Captain America. Yeah, that's He means too much. That's who he is. He stands for sort of traditional American values. We know who Steve Rogers is. He's right. not a Hydra agent. He hasn't no. been. Not that's... for the last 60 years that he's been in comic books. Yeah. And so I think that what you have to do as a writer if you are going to Marvel or DC, if you're going to any company dealing with a fictional character who's well-established, you have to, and I see people say this, they they look at getting into one of the big two as an opportunity for them to um, 
use a character uh, to to like get their own Push ideas their own out agenda. The yeah, and I think that what you have to do is you have to sort of submit to the character if you're going to be writing for it. Yep. It's like if you become a comic book writer and you get hired by Marvel and they they say, all right, we're going to put you on Spider-Man. That doesn't mean that Peter Parker gets to become a conduit uh, for your will to like flow out into the world. It's uh, it's gonna have to be. Um, you have to have like the uh, the restraint, and you have to have um, the humbleness to realize that you're dealing with something that's bigger than yourself at that point. Because, perfect example. How many people are happy with what Ruin Johnson did with Luke Skywalker? Like you, you can't take a character that has been established for 40, 50, 60 years and and push your own agenda onto that character because people are not going to accept it. And that's not a problem with like society not accepting trans people or something. That's a problem with like having this character who's perpetually 25 years old. Like you know, it, it's like reacting in ways that make sense for the character over a span of 50, 60 years in some cases. And then being like, JK, I've been a lady the whole time. Yeah. Or JK, I've been a man the whole time. Or JK, I've been a bad guy the whole time. Yeah. Like it does, it just doesn't work Mm -hmm. because people will reject it. People have such, and I think that's something that, that, uh, some writers don't get. It's like, they don't understand how much these characters mean to certain people. If you've been reading a book for, 30 years like you've developed a relationship that character is like in your psyche and if some if some random person comes along who's worked their way into a writing position uh and they they think that they can completely alter the fundamental foundation of who and what that character stands for um even if the company says yeah well this is canon now that person's gonna say no it's not I'm just not, I'm going to choose to act like this is where the story ends. Well, it reminds me of how, again, you know, as a, as a movie, uh, representation, it reminds me of how butthurt Bob got when Dawn of Justice came out and Batman was just like, you know, it wasn't a hundred percent shown and we don't have to get into it, but like essentially like Batman was killing people Yeah. in the, in the movie, you know? The, the situations that some of the bad guys were in, human people, human bad guys, is are, are just there. It's highly unlikely that they would have survived such an accident, such a punch, such a whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So you've got Batman just sort of killing people when, for the last however many fucking years, He's like never killed anybody save for, you know, let's say Dark Knight Returns, save for a couple graphic novels here and there. But like his character is, I don't kill anybody. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. You can't, you can't come in and make Spider-Man Peter Parker, not Spider-Man. You can't come in and turn Peter Parker into Patricia Parker. Yeah. Just like you can't come in and make Peter Parker a murderer. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, because there's already too much established. Yeah. There's there's way too much established within within the internal dialogue or the internal monologue, we should say. Uh, the interactions that Peter Parker's had over the years that is canonical at that point. It's like if you waltz in and you're like, by the way, the whole time Peter has been struggling with dysphoria or something like that. And it's like, well, no, he hasn't because we've actually been inside of his mind and we've seen what he struggles with. And that's just not something that's there. It doesn't mean that you can't write a character that that does happen to. Right. It just means that this is something that's already... A certain way and it would be the same as uh and i know that this you know um it's not going to uh it's not going to uh impact many people greatly because i don't know many super fans of the character wiccan but wiccan is a character who was introduced into the marvel universe as gay so it would be the same as a, a straight writer someone who's hetero coming in and be like you know what i kind of feel like wiccan should be straight a straight now. person now. Should just feel like wake up one day and be like, you know what? Actually, I wasn't gay, and then start writing him into like romantic relationships with female superheroes. And it's like that doesn't work. The character's already been established. If you're gonna have a canon and a timeline that you would you adhere to, that you acknowledge, then you have to have respect for what has happened up to the point when you've been t- passed the baton. An example, an example of when it works, is. More or less, you know, uh, over time, over time of Moon Knight's character, he has been developed more and more as somebody who struggles with multiple personality disorder, somebody who struggles with schizophrenia, somebody who struggles with mental illness. That's a that's a basis of like Mark Spector or Jake Lockley or fuck Stephen Grant. Yeah. You know, you you have this character, you have Moon Knight established for this long, and he goes on all these adventures, and he fights all these bad guys, and he fights Bushmen, and he fights who and that, and he, whatever. And then, you know, Max Bemis takes over as writer, the lead singer of Say Anything, and he puts Mark Spector in an insane asylum where a doctor is telling him all of that stuff that happened when you were moon Knight, none of that actually happened. You've been in this asylum the whole time. You just have these disorders and you think all of it happened. Like, yeah, that makes sense because part of his character is that he has struggled with mental illness throughout his run of comics it wasn't it might not have been like that when he was first introduced but it's something that was developed over years and years and series and series and he was he started as Mark Spector but then there was a run where he was Jake Lockley and then there was a run where he was Stephen Grant and then there was a run where he was all fucking three of them and then you wake up in an insane asylum and none of it actually happened okay that makes sense now the story becomes was it real or not? Right. But you can't just... This character that has been consistent for 60 years, you can't throw a wrench into their plan and be like, oh, JK, they've been feeling like this the whole time. Same as, again, on on that note, you wouldn't uh, 
you wouldn't have Tony Stark wake up one day um, randomly going into uh, a sort of schizophrenic episode. Right. With absolutely no precursor, no build up to it. It'd be like, because then you could make the, well, we had a writer come in who struggled with schizophrenia or mental illness. And it's like, great. Uh, I, I understand what you're talking about and, and how it can be helpful to, uh, to see your predicament echoed in like a fictional world that you can kind of draw inspiration from. But why are you giving but, that person Tony Stark? Exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, that doesn't make any sense for that character. Tony Stark is like a pretty solid guy who struggled with alcoholism at one point. Right. And there was a whole story done about that. So if you wanted to go back to that well or something, he falls off the wagon and has to do deal that. with that demon. But but it wouldn't make any sense to give him uh, that particular thing to deal with. Right. Um, and if there was a character that, well, in the case of like uh, someone who wants to transition or something, it's like... Um, you you're going to have a really tough time doing that with anyone who's been well established up to this point because comic books they're they're so often uh not just showing what is being said between characters but also what's going on inside of the character's head and if you've got 40 years of internal dialogue or inter- internal monologue going on um if you've got 40 years of that and this issue has never come up one time it's going to be tough to convince people that this is something that was just like simmering underneath the surface for that long, you know? You could easily take that if you're, you know, if you're a trans writer and you get into Marvel and you want to transition a character instead of doing it to a well-established character, you know, you you've already got you've got like uh Negasonic has been pretty well established in the Deadpool movies. They handled her being gay like it was fucking nothing. Like they were just just like here it is. Boom. We didn't have a lot of reference for that character ahead of time. She was a character, but then you introduce her in the first Deadpool and she's got the short hair and whatever and then you introduce her in the second Deadpool movie and she has a girlfriend. And you just immediately accept it because it's Negasonic, you know. And because it's almost like uh, a sexual orientation is is not, um, in the final analysis, very important no. about a person. No, but know? like I just mean, it, you could you could take a character like that that's been semi-established in the public eye because of movies. Or because of, you know, a, a certain comic that does really well, blah, blah, blah. But doesn't have the same level of fame as Spider-Man, Captain America, whatever. Those are the characters you want to aim for. I could easily see Negasonic getting her own comic book spun out of the Deadpool movies. Where she's kind of the same character, you know, as portrayed. And then transitioning that character in the comics. Like, that makes sense to me. I could see that. Fair enough. That's, that's, there, there's not, uh, there's not this extended lore that right. goes back years and years where 
where that you ha- you would have to ignore, you know, like even with uh, even with Iceman, you know, where like it's like being gay all of a sudden. Previously, kind of ladies' man has has I, I feel like been kind of the X Men's analog to uh, uh, what's his name, Johnny Storm. Yeah. Like, then. You, you put someone on the book who wants to, like, get a particular representation going, and it's like, that's, uh, it's just not, that's not why you're hired. That's not why you're there to write comic books, I don't think. You're there to tell the story of the character. Not you're to not push there your to tell, agenda. You're, yeah, you're not there to tell your story. You're there to tell the story that is kind of naturally going to flow from this character's history, and that the fans of that character are going to accept. You don't want to turn people away. You don't want to pull the Ryan Johnson and just subvert everyone's expectations because this is the story I felt needed to be told. Well, it's not. That's it's not about you, right? If it's if you want to make it about you, you can start your own comic book. You can write your own screenplay. You can shoot your own movie. You know, you can do all these things now for uh, a fraction of the cost it would have it would have run you twenty years ago. You know, I I don't have the resources is no longer really a valid excuse because you can self-publish a book, you can crowdfund a comic, you crowdfund just about anything. If you if you put together a good pitch and you have a community, say, that you want to pitch to, you feel like trans people need representation. Okay, create an interesting and compelling trans character and pitch it to your community that you think want this thing and see if they actually back it and fund it. Yeah. Maybe it's just that your idea sucks. It might be that your art is shitty or that your story isn't compelling enough. Even for because that's another thing. It's it's um it's condescending and and I think uh very rude to assume that just because someone is trans or gay or they're lesbian or they're black or Asian, that if you present to them a character who looks like them or has the same sexual orientation, that they're going to feel compelled to buy it. It's like, turn it around for straight people and, and, and understand how ridiculous that is. Oh, well, uh, this new book coming out has a straight character in it. Are you going to go and get it? I don't know. What's it about? Right. Who's the writer? What else have they done? What's the story like? What's your pitch? That's what I feel like is missing from a lot of this stuff. Where the headline is, new female superhero, or new trans superhero, new trans writer. Yeah. That's, I I don't, I'm not being like disrespectful. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't really care. What I do care about is, how is the story? Is the art good? Yeah. Yeah. Am I going to feel compelled to buy this? You know, it's like if the Matrix was put out by the Wachowski sisters instead of Wachowski brothers, I don't give a shit. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's if it was the exact same movie. I they're they're still good movies. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy those movies. It doesn't matter if they're brothers or sisters. It really doesn't. As long as the story's cool, the graphics are cool. The, you know, the comic book is cool. The, I like the cover is enticing. The interior art is nice. The story is compelling. I mean, that's what matters. There are plenty of books written and illustrated by straight people that I will never read. 
Yeah. Because I'm not interested in them. Uh, the only <laughs> Marvel book I read is Moon Knight. Period. Why? Because the story's compelling. It's interesting to see him struggle with his illness the way he does. It's interesting that they hired Max Bemis to write it, who has struggled with mental illness for most of his life and talks about it in his music. And who did they give him? They give him Moon Knight, who has struggled with mental illness. Like, it fucking makes sense. Right. Yeah. So, and I think that all of what we just talked about is what Comicsgate is really about. Yeah. And and for some reason, it's been it's been conflated with the alt right and all this other and Nazis and misogynists and it's like and there are literally okay uh, here's another great example the other day on Twitter there was a a piece of artwork posted and it was um it was like a pinup of I can't remember which character it was from some upcoming independent book and um and another trans anti-comic skater had taken that retweeted it and said basically the person who drew this picture um not only has never seen a woman naked but but has also um never consulted with a woman before about character design Ironically, the artist was a female (laughs) and a proud member of the Comicsgate community who just doesn't want to be talked down to and who doesn't think that being a woman should be like a one-way ticket to getting a job. It's like, is my art good? That, I, I think that that's a really shitty way to treat people. Yeah. To like hire people on based on quotas and shit it's like it's illegal to discriminate you can't do that we have laws in place you know right um if you found out that you got a job because of some some sort of uh attribute of yours that you had no control over like the fact that you're a man or you're a woman or whatever it's like i don't want you to hire me off of something like that do you do you think my art's good and if not tell me what's wrong with it so i can improve don't don't lower the bar for me because I don't fall into whatever category that you're trying to like make your corporate offices happy with, you know? Right. Because some board of directors said, well, we need more of this and this and this. It's like, we need more women. We need more gays. Yeah. Like, but are they doing good work? Right. How are your sales? Yeah. How, what are the fans saying about it? That kind of stuff. And, uh, and so to, to automatically assume that kind of shit, to assume that the only people who are in comics are like angry middle-aged white men, and then all of these truly diverse people are like raising their hands and like, no, no, it's not just them. Look at me right here. I'm I'm an Asian guy, you know. I'm I'm a female. I'm gay, and on and on and on. Like people of all stripes, you know. And then they're met with derision, and they're accused of just being. Uh, of suffering from internalized misogyny or suffering from internalized racism. So they're not even allowed to have their own opinions. You're telling them because of the way you look or because of the person that you want to sleep with, I know how you should feel. I know the things that you should be thinking. 
I know the opinions that you should hold. I should know your politics and what your religion should be and all this stuff and on and on. And that, to me, is true racism and true yeah. sexism. Because you think that you know that person better than they know themselves just because of some some attribute, like I said, that they have no control over. Stupid. So. I hope my sister, I'm going to tell my sister to listen to this. I hope she does. Because, so she, so she gets it. Nothing, it's, it's like, like. I just wanted to know where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Like she can still do like whatever. I don't yeah. know. But like, it's just, it's so whenever I talk, bring it up, whenever I bring it up, I don't know. It's so hard to articulate everything that I want to say. Yeah. But well, then when I get with, say. there's a lot to say, but then when I get with you, you have points that remind me of points that I want to make and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. tell her, I'm going to tell her, be like, mm, listen to this podcast. You'll, yeah. you'll kind of hear what I'm saying. So, all right, so that was a long trip to the sidebar. Yeah. So I was going to tell you about this guy named Peter Semetti, and he runs this... Uh, this hasn't even been the pot, the the beer cap yet? No, no, this is the cool. beer cap now. All right, beer okay. cap. Here okay, we go. beer cap time. So Peter Semetti owns an independent comic company called Alterna Comics. I remember now. Okay. Yes. Uh, he is an Asian man. Okay. And just recently... Um, he, all right, his company, they have a policy for all of the people who are contracted to write for them or draw for them that they're, they cannot use block bots on Twitter. I don't know if you know what those are. Okay. No, I don't. Because I still, you know, you know me. Okay. So the concept is like this. So let's say you think everyone in Comicsgate is a Nazi. All right. So an easy way to weed out these people is I'm going to use a block bot and I will implement this and anyone who follows Ethan Van Skyver is automatically blocked from my account. Oh, for God's sake. So what he was doing was he put in the contract, if you work for Alterna, you can't use block bots. Not because he supported any particular position or because he was trying to make a point, but he had run into it in the past where um, where an artist or a writer was using block bots and uh, some fans who had purchased their comics went to follow them on Twitter and went to their profile to see that they were blocked. And that would really confuse you. If yeah. you're like, well, I just bought this person's book and I just wanted to come and follow them and I'm blocked for some reason. Like I've never even talked to them before. Right. But you're blocked because you happen to follow someone that they don't like. And they, they like create this chain where it's like, okay, well, anyone who follows them, they can't view my page. They are blocked from viewing it. And the reason this is so crazy is you never know why people are following someone. I follow a lot of people that I disagree with, like 100%. Yeah. But I'll follow people I disagree with to see what they're saying because I don't like to live in an echo chamber, you know? But so I don't, I don't agree with it on either side. Just don't, if you want to block someone who's harassing you personally, like that's fine. But if you chain block people like that, you're going to really end up, uh, I would say insulting and driving a lot of people away who had no problem with you, who maybe wanted to support you and just come onto Twitter and like send you a message or tweet at you and say, Hey man, I'm really enjoying your book, you know, keep up the good work. And then you go there 
and it's like you're blocked what the fuck so you can see why you might have that in your contract where it's like we just don't want to deal with that we want to be good to our customers it's none of our business who these people are following in their free time on the left or the right doesn't matter you know be good to your customers they're buying your book they're supporting you they're helping you make a living so so someone that was subcontracted by a writer um, was using a block bot okay so it wasn't someone who was actually under contract to Alterna. It was someone who was working for someone who was under contract. Okay. So Peter Samedi contacted the the owner of this particular uh, IP, and he was like, hey, you've got someone who's working for you. We've gotten some emails. Uh, it looks like they're, they're, block, they're chain blocking people. Okay. We've got some people who are concerned. They just wanted to go and like say, hey, on Twitter, and they're blocked. They don't know why. And then they're emailing us asking what they did wrong, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So he's like, I can't tell you to have this person change their approach because they're not under contract to us. But he's like, here's what we're going to do. Since they're not under contract to Alterna, we'll give them the option of continuing to use a block bot. They can work on your book. We're just not going to publish their name in it. That way, no one's no one who reads it is going to go to their account and try to try to interact with them. Yeah. And then take that chance of having it come back on us. Be like, oh, Alterna's hiring people who will just like block you for no reason. So he's like, they can continue using it and, and do that, or they can take the block bot off and we will print their name in the credits. So this person was like, oh yeah, no problem. I'll talk to him. That artist decided to walk away. And then they went on Twitter and went on this big tirade. And were like, Peter Samedi wants to expose his artists and, and, and writers to online harassment. And he won't support his creators. And you should boycott Alterna Comics. And, and then they wanted him to come out and change his policy. And he was like, no, I'm not going to. And he explained why they had it, just the way that I explained it to you. And then the person who owned that property decided to walk away. And Yeah. And then in one day, like, I think he said like 10 different writers and artists, some of which he had known for the past 10 years since he started this thing, people who he had helped build their careers, people who he said that he watched their kids grow up who had been to his house, who they had cookouts with, in one day, like 10 of the closest people to him turned their backs on him and left Alterna and said, we don't want to be associated with you anymore because you're supporting this Comicsgate movement. And he hadn't even done that. All he said was that he wanted his policy followed. So all these people turned their backs on him and and he did like a three-hour live stream and I watched it and it was pretty emotional. And, you know, he he was he was so happy because there was like I think almost two thousand people who showed up to watch his live stream. And uh in the past when he would go live he'd maybe have two hundred people or so. But like it was the comic skate community who heard about this and like people joined in, were listening to him and interacting and supporting him. And he was like, in one day I lost some of the best friends I've ever had 
and they threw it all away because they didn't want to be associated with this movement that they said is so hateful and racist. And he's like, here I am, an Asian man who has suffered real racism, who has been discriminated against, um, and the community that came to like rescue him and literally pull him from, he, he said he was suicidal. He's like, I thought my company was done last week. He's like, because I had some of my best creators tell me that they were walking away and that they would not put anything out on Alterna again. And he's like, I didn't know what I was going to do. Normally, I think he said they would sell about maybe 500 to 1,000 books a week. And he was like, after this story broke and the Comics Gate community came in, we just sold 10,000 books last week. Oh my fucking God. And they've been doing that steadily since. And he was like, and I don't expect that to continue because this is kind of a jolt that's come from, you know, the attention this has gotten. But he's like, it's shown me that this community is not hateful. It's not racist. He's like, I'm a person of color. I'm here spilling my guts to you guys. And you're the ones who have literally pulled me out of the depths of being suicidal because all these people could do nothing but belittle me and 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 call me horrible names you know the worst things you can think of accuse him of being a nazi and a white supremacist even though he's a fucking asian right and it's like so it, that's just that is a good showcase of what it's really about yeah you know um if you want to see what the community in action looks like it's like look no further than that look at diversity in comics and what they did donating ten thousand dollars to uh, a gay and, and trans suicide hotline that they had no obligation to do and it's not like that guy's a millionaire you know he's run two really successful crowdfunding campaigns but ten thousand dollars to him is still not like chump change you know it's like a year ago, the guy was just a dude making YouTube videos and working a regular job. Right. So. Yeah. But, you know, I watched during that stream. Uh, you should check it out sometime. It's really good. But he he tells a story of like why comics mean so much to him. And he's like he was a huge Spider-Man fan growing up. He said some things got really rough for him, I think, when he was like 17 or 18. And he uh, he said that he was, he was at the point, you know, when he was about 17 or 18, one day that he had just like, he thought he was at the end of his rope and he tried to kill himself. He said he had, he had like, uh, I think he took a bunch of pills and then like tied a bag around his head basically and just sat there and waited to die and it turned out that there was like a hole in the bag or something and he just ended up going into this weird like altered state and he like almost passed out you know and and ended up vomiting out like all the pills he had taken and he he kind of came to in his bedroom and he looked up and over his bedroom door he had a poster of spider-man and it's like he said he in that moment remembered like who Peter Parker was and it hit him that he had let that guy down and he said he just like broke down crying it's like Jesus that's 
that's a comic book character and and then that filled him with like a resolve to live his life to the best of his ability and to do something you know and do something meaningful and he started his own comic book company and he's been doing it for 10 years now and and then that shit happens and alterna uh, comics yeah yeah so or he's just a white supremacist I think he's a white supremacist. <laughs> no, I'm I'm looking it up so that I can uh, so that I can follow it. Yeah, and buy some stuff. And they do newsprint, Ooh. so that's why they're able to keep their books so cheap. Uh huh. I think their books are like a dollar fifty. Immediately, I see this this called the Realm, mm-hmm. maybe. I'm trying to go to it. I don't know if I don't know what my phone's doing, but hold on. Titles. Retailers sources events links contacts. No, I don't want that. Single issues. But it's really cool. He's he's got this passion about like bringing comics back out into the world. You know, cuz you never see comic books like remember I'm sure that even when you were when you were a kid, you probably remember going to like the magazine stand and Kroger and they'd have comic books, you know, or like a convenience store. You'd see just like a few random ones. Sometimes, I, yeah. Um, more so, I recall buying a. I was I was in Florida on vacation once, and my parents bought me like a fifty comic bundle at KB Toys, and. Uh, that's that was kind of those were the only comics I had for a long long. I was nine years old mm-hmm. when those were bought, and those were the only ones I had for a long long time. Uh, it really really wasn't. I had just started reading comics when we met, and you were mostly just reading Star Wars. Stuff. Mostly just Star Wars because I wanted the expanded universe stuff. I had just gotten into Thrawn, uh, and all of that. So I was reading the novels, and I was like, oh, there's comics too. And so I was reading Star Wars, pretty much Star Wars and Revival. That was like all I was reading. And then we started hanging out and I really got into uh, got into comics a lot. So he's got this crowdfunding campaign going on right now that he just started. And it's for um, Alternaween, as, as he's, he's calling it. It's, uh, it's really neat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to donate to it. But there are different tiers. At the $100 tier, you get everything. I think that's what I'm going to do. But he's just trying to get comics out to, like, young kids to get them interested in it, you know. And and he wants to use this crowdfunding campaign as a way to raise money so that uh, he can secure Alterna distribution in, like, grocery stores, in convenience stores, at newsstands, and to, like, get comic books out in the world again because he's like in the olden days it's not like marvel and dc were making bank on the shit they were selling at at supermarkets but a kid would pick up a comic book at at kroger and then they'd go home and read it and then they'd want more comics and be like well where do you have to go then you go to the comic shop you didn't start by just driving to the comic shop a lot of times that was intimidating for people it was only after you'd bought a few from a place where like your parents went that you like knew about comic stores. And then that was awesome because it's like, oh shit, 
there's a store that's like nothing but comic books, you know, and then you get excited to go there and you want to read more and all that kind of stuff. And it's like now there's no real pipeline to that. Right. You know, I tell just about everybody that I know that has young kids, um, I tell that they I tell them they should start reading comics because at the very least it's reading. Yeah. It's reading. You you know, we live in this age where kids are so uh tethered to technology and and TV and well not even TV, fucking phone screens and computers and like parents who just occupy their kids by giving them screens to look at and things like that and i think that comics are a really good and easy transition and um inspiration to actually continue reading you know so like almost almost anybody i'm friends with that has young kids I I'm just like you should you should buy that kid some comic books, like that's where it's gonna start. If they, if they they aren't reading or they're not reading to the level that they should be for their age or yeah. whatever, blah blah blah, buy comic books because yeah. it's gonna it's gonna get them into it, and it's gonna give them a whole you know if they really get into it, it's gonna give them a whole community of people that are into it that they just automatically will have friends. And they might want to make them someday. And they might want to make them someday. So it's it's really cool. They're so this this campaign for that uh, Alterna Ween that they're doing. It's like I think the uh, I, I'm pretty sure at the fifty dollar level you can get they'll send you like fifty random comic books, Damn. and the idea is to pass them out on Halloween night. So they're giving you comic books, and they give you like uh, a bunch of like. Uh, comic book themed pencils and stuff and like some little other little treats and such so you get you like your entire halloween setup to take outside with you and pass out and it's through this comic book company that's awesome and it's like just pass out comic books to kids give them something to take home and like maybe spark an interest i would absolutely do that i uh do not have a lot of trick-or-treaters in my neighborhood but i would love to do something like that that's a good yeah. idea i've never thought about that yeah we're i told jess that i want to do it we're we always go over to her parents because we don't have like any kids who come actually down street. the street they're all like over that over way, that way. Mm-hmm. yeah that makes i mean i get it warren's kind of a busy street yeah so like it makes sense and there's it's sort of more of a neighborhood even though it's only like two streets over yeah there aren't there aren't any like thirty five or forty mile an hour roads within the actual little right. you know area back there so yeah that's cool but I heard that and I was like man that's a really neat idea it'd be cool if you know if the the big two showed enough concern to do stuff like that as well you know it'd be a good way to bring people back I think better than changing the race of your superheroes <laughs> and just you know banking on like an issue one sales spike before everyone just gets bored and they're like well that's cool that you had a, a you know a person who looks like me taking over the mantle of this character but uh the story sucked yep 
so I'm not going to buy it anymore. Imagine that. You and, know. you know, if that's really like what we're talking where are all the Latino heroes? Well, that's everybody's the problem. So, everybody's so fucking concerned with like black and gay. This hero's black, this hero's gay. And there are a lot more people in the world than just those yeah. as well. What about where are the Latino characters? Yeah. Where are they? Well, I mean, you've got like Amadeus Cho as Hulk, but he's not Hulk anymore. Well, think of how many countries there are. I know. It's ridiculous. You can always keep splitting it up. You've got Kamala Khan as Miss Marvel. But immediately, my immediate thought is what about where's the Latino characters? I can't think of one Latino superhero. Um. Latino superhero. Besides uh, Tarantula. I don't know. Besides Tarantula. You don't know. There's a new independent character called Juan Pool. He's <sighs> like a fat Mexican guy. <laughs> it's more of a joke book, but it's but like but that's about but it. But that's that's right there I think is an indication of like why forced diversity isn't working because you're not you say you're catering to all of these people that are clamoring for representation but I cannot think of a single Latino superhero um I mean can you think of um a Bolivian superhero? No. Can you think of a Venezuelan superhero? No. Do you know a, any Spaniards? Any Spanish? Like from no. from Spain? No. Uh, no. Hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. It's like, where do you stop? Right. Turkish? Are yeah. there any Turkish super? How about Haitians? Right. Uh, no, I, we're just... No, we're really just concerned with black and gay. If you're black or if you're gay, we got you. Yeah, but think about how many different... What is What does black even mean? You could be from so many places yeah, in the world. exactly. You know, and that's that's the problem with it. It was like, that doesn't tell you very much about a person when you really get down right. to it. Black people are... Uh, it, God, and th that's racist. Yeah. It's racist to, uh, to assume that if you represent black people with this character that they all are going to feel like they've been covered. They might they might look at the character's skin and be like, that's like me, but then they read the book, and after two pages, they're like, this is nothing like me. He's got the same color skin as I do, but uh, he doesn't talk like me. He doesn't think like me. Um, he doesn't treat people the way that I treat people. You're, you're, you're reducing people to the most basic aspect of their f personage. Yeah called identity politics and it's horrible that is the true racism and true sexism as far as i'm concerned uh i i believe in in just evaluating people on the merit of their character what is this person like what do they do you know how do they act in the world um i don't give a shit if someone's white i'm not gonna be friends with you because you're white that doesn't mean a goddamn thing to me you know i just uh, and, and I think that most people feel the same way. If you sat a black person down and, and were like, would you, would you be more likely to, or, uh, I don't know. If you're like, 
when you meet a black person, are you automatically friends with them? No. They're not going to be automatically friends. They'd want to know what the person's like, the way that anyone else would. Yeah. So, and the same goes for gay people, it goes for trans people, it goes for anyone. Yeah, I don't give a shit what you're like. It's it's who you are as a person. So. <sighs> yeah. We either have to end this podcast or you have to talk while I go to the bathroom. I think we should. We, we got an hour and a half here. Oh, okay. So we're probably good. We are probably good. Yep. All right. I got to do Shinmu and get to bed. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So uh, stick around for the outro and uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Man, that was a rousing. Oh, did you hear my... I wonder if they heard my beer bottles knock over. Probably. Probably. That was a rousing episode of the Super Divorce Supercast. We obviously talked a lot about cool stuff. And you got something you can pass along to your sister? I do. I'm going to tell her to listen. I'm going to tell her to listen to this episode. I'd like to see what she has to say. I'd like to bring her on for episode 100. Yeah, that'd be fun. And talk about it a little bit. Why not? Yeah, see if we can convert someone to the comics gate community. Mm-hmm. Convert another Nazi. Yeah. Into the- <laughs> Fucking Nazis! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not really. No. no, not really. I love my sister. Uh, okay. Well, uh, yeah, this has been a good episode, so hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We enjoyed we enjoyed bringing it to you. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's about it. Oh, uh, well, if you want to... Tell people about your personal social media. So, uh, if you want to follow Nicholas over there, you can mainly follow him on Twitter, uh, at Nicholas Villars. I believe his handle is Confetti Spirit Dancer. (laughs) But mostly I've just been using the Super Divorce one. Mostly he's been using the Super Divorce Twitter. So, follow us on Twitter, at Super Divorce. Um, Easy. Definitely... Follow us on Facebook. You know, like us on Facebook. I don't know what the fucking term is. Um, like and follow. You like, know, neither like, one do anything anymore. Most, most importantly, I feel like most importantly, aside from following us on Twitter because Nick posts a lot. Uh, most importantly, head over to YouTube.com/slash/SuperDivorce and subscribe to our page. Bong the gong for notifications. Nick goes live daily. Right now, where he's playing Shenmue. Uh, for about an hour a day, every single day. Mm-hmm. So stop in and hang out with him for that. I'm I'm there sometimes. Uh, as Momster Movies, you can check out my YouTube page. Uh, I don't have a slash yet. I only have three subscribers, but head on over to YouTube.com, search for Momster Movies, and you'll find my channel with my mom. If you would like to follow me. On social media, personally, Bender, over here, you can find me on Instagram most prevalently at BenderButt. Be on the lookout at SuperDivorceMe.com in our web store because I talked to Nick earlier today and we are are going to roll out some new merch soon-ish. Soon-ish. I talked to him today and I was like, hey... I want to buy us some merch, so Nick is going to get to work on that, and uh, we will most likely 
Most likely it's going to be a new t-shirt. We're going to have a new t-shirt coming out pretty soon. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, yeah, that's 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 our social media shout outs. Yeah, so everyone, thank you for listening. Um, and until the next episode of the Superdoor Supercast, episode 100 coming up next, uh, please look forward to the next episode of the Superdoor Supercast. Bye, chefs.